0: To the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, and we're going to read from verse 1. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you preach, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greetings. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth that will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Amen. Well, in our passage today, Jesus calls the twelve disciples to him, and they receive a new title. Not only are they to be those who have come to Christ and who will walk with Christ, but now they are to be those who go, who go from Christ, bearing his name, taking his name out into the towns and the villages. Nearby, they are to go in his name as ambassadors and as messengers, as heralds for the king, proclaiming the coming of his kingdom. The word apostle literally actually means sent ones. They are those who have been sent by Christ out into the world. And in that sense, and only that sense, it's important we say, we are all apostles. We are all those who have been sent by Christ out into the world as ambassadors and as heralds of the coming kingdom. So they are sent out with a message to proclaim, verse 7, the kingdom of heaven is near. Why is the kingdom of heaven near? The kingdom of heaven is near because the king is near. He has come. And we know that he will come again. And we know that whilst we wait his coming again, something of the kingdom has begun to break in through the church, through his people. So, they are to speak of the nearness of the kingdom, but not only to speak of its nearness, they are to show it by their actions. Verse 8: Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. They are to show something of the inbreaking of the kingdom, that kingdom that will come in all of its fullness when the king returns. So the king will return again, and he will make all things new. Sin will be swept aside, and there will be this glorious new reality where there will be no no more uh, suffering, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more separation. And as these followers of Christ Uh, heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and drive out the demons. They are displaying something. They are giving a taste of the kingdom that will come in all of its fullness when Christ returns. And we are people of the kingdom. That's where our citizenship lies. There's been a lot in the news uh, over the past week or so about... uh, whether or not someone can be rendered stateless. Well, well, we never have to worry about that because our citizenship is in heaven and we ought to display something of heaven on earth. We ought to show something of the kingdom to the world not all apostles, but we are sent out in Jesus' name to show a better way to the world, to let them see something of the power and of the beauty of the kingdom of Christ Jesus and indeed something of the power and the beauty and the glory of the King himself by the words that we speak and by the lives that we live. Now we're in Matthew chapter 10, but we know how Matthew ends his gospel, don't we? Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So in Matthew 10, they are just to go to the Jewish people, That's where it starts, that's where it begins, but that's not where it ends. It goes out to the nations, out to the Gentiles. How thankful we ought to be for that, and out to the ends of the earth. Therefore go, says the Lord Jesus to his people, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our high and our holy calling. It is our great and glorious adventure. So as those who have been sent out by Jesus into the world, we ought to look carefully and with great interest at what Jesus says to the apostles in Matthew chapter 10. We ought to look to the instructions that he gives and to the way in which he prepares them for the work that they have to do as those who have been sent out in his name. He tells them in chapter 10 of Matthew's gospel what to bring and what to be as ambassadors for the king what to bring, or actually, to be more precise, what not to bring, what not to take while on this mission for Christ. Verse 9, do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Go on a journey from town to town, from people group to to people group, from place to place, but don't take any money, don't take any provisions, don't take any spare stuff. That seems like strange advice to give to the people that he loves, doesn't it? why would Jesus want his people to go without what would seem to be sensible provisions? Well, in going without any of these things, they must go knowing their needs of God, knowing their needs to be protected and to be provided for by the Lord. Stuff actually can be a hindrance. Were they to be equipped with money and with clothes and with a bag full of kits, you know, with one of those wee eh, Swiss Army knives, no matter what terrible eventuality befalls you, there's always one tool, if you can find it and open it, ready to to rescue you from that situation. Well, if they were to go with, with stuff, then they might fall into the trap of thinking that they're okay in and of themselves, that they're ready to handle whatever might befall them, that they can deal with it, that they can provide for themselves. They might not realize that for their journey to be a success, what they really need, all they really need is God. though know, they might think that they have it covered, that they have it under control, they might think of themselves as self-sufficient. Even if something goes wrong, it will be okay. You know, if we find ourselves out in the open, we have enough money to book a room in a local hotel. If an item of clothing gets lost or damaged, we have plenty of spares. We'll be fine. But now they know they need God. They know they are dependent upon Him to protect and to provide. Actually, we are always dependent upon God. Even for the next eh, breath in our lungs and beats of our hearts, we are utterly dependent upon God. It's an illusion to think that we are ever self-sufficient. It's a lie. But it's a lie that is much easier to believe when our bank balance is full and uh, when we have lots of stuff to help us through life. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 does not want his disciples, his apostles, to believe that lie, to think that they are sufficient for the task to which they have been called. He wants them to go, knowing their needs. Think of the first verse of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Sometimes it's not sin which hinders us and which holds us back. Sometimes it's other stuff that we are carrying that is weighing us down, holding us back, tying us up. Lots of stuff can blind us to the fact that we have little of God. A.W. Tozer said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. As you look around the church in our world today, I think you could say, generally speaking, that the more material wealth and power the church has, the more spiritually impoverished it tends to be. There are great exceptions, and we are thankful to the Lord for them. But generally speaking, the more material wealth, the more stuff, the more resources the church has in the world, the more spiritually impoverished it is. We live in a rich country and we must always be aware of the danger that we are deadened by our wealth and the resources that we have to hand. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Not by might, but by His Spirit, the work of God is done. So, things can deaden us to our needs. And also, simply material things tend to restrict us. Uh, We we, we find it easier to travel uh, fast and far when we travel light. The more stuff that we have, the more things that we need to attend to, the more things that we need to pay for, the more things that we need to maintain. We get stuff and sooner or later we find that actually stuff has got us. We are restricted in what we can do and where we can go because we have to think about lugging all of our stuff along with us. We have to look after the things that we bought to look after us. So the more that the apostles carried, the harder it would be to move freely and swiftly to the next place and to the next That the Lord had prepared for them. There is a lot to be said for travelling lights. So that is what they are to bring, but the Lord also told them what they are to be. I am sending you, verse 16, out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be wise. The NIV says shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. But the word translated shrewd is in most translations translated wise. It's actually used uh, seven times in Matthew's gospel. And in every other time that it's used, the NIV translates the word wise. So it's the same word that's used all the way back in Matthew chapter 7, the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And it's the same word that's used near the end of Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 24, for the wise and faithful servant. So I think it's fair for us to say that the Lord Jesus instructs his people to be wise. And I think the connotations are more helpful. We must rid ourselves of any notion that the Lord Jesus is calling His people to be sneaky or to be underhand in our dealings with the world. In the very same verse, He says we are to be as innocent as doves. So I think it's more helpful for us to think about being wise. Being wise as we go out into the world to serve Christ, to bear His name, Why do we need to be wise? Well, we need to be wise because we will receive a mixed response from the world. Some will welcome us with open arms. Some will be hungry to hear the message that we have to tell. But not all. Some will be indifferent and some will be hostile, as they were all those years ago. I wonder if you've ever spoken a word for Jesus or lived your life in a way that is distinct from the people around you and you have been torn to shreds. I'm sure for most of us, we have had experiences like that. And they shouldn't take us by surprise because the Lord Jesus says He is sending us out as sheep among wolves. He is honest and upfront about what his followers will face as they serve him, as they speak for him. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, his, his apostles are to go only to the lost sheep of Israel, only to the Jewish people, to the people that should be watching and waiting for the Messiah to come, to the people who have the law and the prophets which point to Jesus. These are the, the people that should be ready to recognize him and to receive him with open arms and with glad and with grateful hearts. But we know that he came to that which was his own, and his own received him not. And so we shouldn't be surprised when some don't welcome us, when some don't receive us, And some are indifferent or even hostile, not only to the message that we have, but to us as messengers. We need to be wise to know when to speak and what to say. Wise to know when to speak and when not to speak. Wise to know when to speak and when to walk away. We have to make sure that on the one hand, we are not cowardly, staying quiet, saying nothing for fear of the response that it will receive. That's the danger on one hand, but there is a danger on the other side as well, that we're not wise, that we just bluster in, not caring about the context, not concerning ourselves with the people to whom we speak. never stopping provoking on and on and on and on and on turning every conversation round, twisting everything Uh, pulling people in under false pretenses that's not wisdom that's not the life that we are called to in christ there have been times in the history of the church if you study church history It's fascinating, there have been times where people have wanted to be persecuted, even wanted to be martyred, and so they have provoked those around them. They they have caused trouble deliberately so that they are persecuted. It's a kind of badge of honor, even so that they are martyred. That's not wise, and it's not faithful. Look at verse 23, when you're persecuted in one place, says Jesus, flee to another. That's the wise thing to do. So we need to have wisdom as we seek to speak for our King in this world. We are to be wise and we are to be innocent. Remember, working with a church in England for six weeks, I must have been... 21 years of age, and uh, I was part of a team sent down to the Wirral in England. There, was, uh, there were two Northern Irishmen, uh, a woman from America, a woman from Wales, and me, a Scotsman. We were a weird team. Uh, we were dumped on this church, this poor church in the Wirral and there was this man in the church, a member of the church, who was charged with the responsibility of giving us things to do, and he did give us things to do, lots of things to do. He gave us uh, lots of youth work, children's work, a wee bit of visitation, the opportunity to preach, uh, all sorts of things, and we were young enough um, at that age and, and, and stage of our lives to take most of these things in our stride, all sorts of, we'd just turn up in the morning and he would tell us what we were to do that day, all sorts of different things. Uh, we, were on the, we were on the radio and everything, Radio Merseyside, uh, you didn't know you would someone famous in your midst, did you? Uh, I was in Radio Merseyside at about five o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning for about two minutes. So all sorts of things he had planned and prepared for us to do. and Most of these things we just took in our stride. But then one morning we turned up and he said, right, today you're going to go out around the doors. And we were horrified and terrified. We were going to have to go with our funny accents and knock on doors and speak to people that we didn't know and we had no idea how they would receive us. And what we had to say. We were absolutely terrified. And this man uh, who, who, who was charged with leading us as a team was a great evangelist. That's what he did. And when we said to him, Look, we're really worried about this, we're anxious about this, he said, I know it's scary, isn't it? He said, I, I've been doing this for decades and it still terrifies me. and and what a challenge that was that stuck with me because he gave himself to this that this was his thing and he was really really good at it but he was still filled with fear as he considered it He, he he soaked up the fear and he obeyed anyway what a great example but anyway he said he said to us something else that's always stuck with me he said to us remember you're only looking for the treasure You're only looking for the people that God has prepared for you. The people he has prepared to hear what you have to say. There will be some treasure behind some of those doors. Other doors will be slammed in your faces. Sometimes people will be indifferent. Sometimes people will be hostile and very aggressive. And when they are hostile and very aggressive, I want you to remember this. Don't bite back. Be gracious, be polite, be warm, and thank them, and move on. He didn't use the phrase, be as innocent as doves, but he might as well have. He said to us, I want uh, to give them the opportunity later in the day to regret the way that they spoke to you as you as they consider how kind and how warm and how gracious and how polite you were. We are to be as wise as the serpent, but we are also to be as innocent as the dove. Great advice. We are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We are to be innocent. We are to be pure. We are to give people no good reason to complain or to criticize us, or the one we represent as one sent by Christ, as those who carry His name into the world. So this is a great challenge and a daunting one, but we are reminded that as we go, He is with us. He will never leave us alone. There is here in Matthew 10 the promise of the Spirit's presence and help, verses 19 and 20, And, of course, in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What could compare with that? It's daunting to live this life, to actually speak to people, to live your life in a way which will make you stand out from the crowd. It's daunting. But this is the life we get uh, to live knowing the presence of Jesus, knowing the power of Of the Spirit. It's daunting, but it's exhilarating, just as it was for us when we actually went and chapped in those doors and spoke to people. It was exhilarating. We knew the nearness of God and we had some wonderful conversations. It's those conversations that I remember all these years later, much more than any hostility that we encountered on the doorstep. It's a great. Challenge, but we were made for this challenge. It's also a great adventure. Uh, Alfred Plummer uh, was an English minister and, and Bible scholar, uh, sort of the late 1800s and early 20th century. And he wrote this. He said, this is not the world's way to win adherence. The world will offer a man roses, roses all the way, comfort, ease, advancement, the fulfillment of his worldly ambitions. Jesus offered his men hardship and death. And yet the proof of history is that Jesus was right. In their heart of hearts, men love a call to adventure. There is an adventurer in the heart of every man. And we might say, in the heart of every woman too. This is the adventure to which we are called in Christ. And there is nothing that can compare with it. He will be with us by His Spirit. Some will say no, but some will say yes. There is treasure to be found On these streets, there are some in Airdrie who are hungry to hear the good news that God has given us to share. They are living without God, without hope in this world, but they know their needs. They are ready to receive it. The soil has been prepared. But the workers are few. The challenge for us is this. Will we go? Will we speak? Will we show a better way? Will we point to the kingdom and to the king with our lives and with our lips? There are people hungry to hear the good news of the coming King, may we be found faithful and fruitful as those who have been sent out as ambassadors and as heralds in the name of Christ Jesus. Let's stand together.